This podcast is brought to you by MVR Painting. MVR Painting is a Newcastle-based company with a passion for painting for well and truly over 10 years. They are a small crew making a big difference. If you want the brush with the best, make sure to contact MVR Painting. You can find their pages on Facebook or Instagram under MVR Painting or email them at mark at mvrpainting.com.au. Cheers, peeps. But dearest to Andrew Johns. Andrew Johns and Matthew Johns. Short ball to Glamble. He's over to 20. He's over to 10. Glamble, he scores! Newcastle, 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 Newcastle. What's going on, Top Deck listeners? Welcome back to another episode. Glad to have you here listening. On this week's episode of the Top Deck podcast, we got to sit down with our local Newcastle Knights hero, grand final winner, Mr. Mark Lanville, where we spoke about footy, the changes in the game from back in the old days to now and how he's maintaining a healthy balance after his professional football career. So, let's go. Let's go. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Today is your day. Allow me to introduce myself. Top Deck. Top Deck. Top Deck. The, 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 the Top Deck Podcast. I'll leave your brain stimulated. Happy hump day. Happy sure. hump day. Thanks Thanks. Thanks for having me. I was about to say, shit, sorry, sorry. Oh, How's no. your day, mate? No, it's um, flat out, man, like a dog chasing its tail. So Yeah, I yeah can, yours? I, I can relate. Yeah, exactly. Socks are looking so, nice and uh, yeah. filthy. Been on the tools, been off the tools, been behind the computer, and now behind the mic. How good is it? Good balance. It is, it is. <laughs> We've got, we got a pretty crazy. cool Novocastrian guest on today. Yeah, excited for this one. Being a um, Novocastrian, both of us Novocastrian boys, and... Um, Lovers of uh, NRL and, um, you know, obviously always have the Knights in, in my heart and um, even though I follow the Chooks as well. But, um, <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> but um, yeah, we, we, we won't waste any time, but we've got um, Mark Lamville. Welcome, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, um, thanks Going for having good. me, I guess. Yeah, no, man. Thanks for coming in. I eh? appreciate it. More than happy to do that. Appreciate Probably it. Probably unconsciously known you for about four or five years for yeah, going, going to, to the, the gym. gym really early in the morning and exactly. um, just saying hello and you know sort of ever since we had Owen Craigie on I sort of had a, had a bit of a chat to you a bit closer and um, sussed out sort of what you've done and, and I'm real I'm always intrigued in um, life after football yep and um, I think I've asked you a couple of times about it and I thought you know what, what better way to get you on here and sort of talk about your career and, and, and life after footy and how you balance that and, intro, you know, int- introduced working after yeah. being a successful footy player. So, um, yeah, we'll start by – tell us a little bit about yourself from Wagga. Yeah, born and bred in Wagga. Um, made the Australian schoolboys in 84, uh, then got – was chased by a couple of clubs, uh, ended up signing with St George. So I had three years there, pretty successful – well, reasonably successful years. Had a couple of injuries over a couple of years and – that sort of thing, but um, then when the the knights came in in '88, so '87, I was talking to well the Gold Coast uh, and the Knights, and I was pretty close to actually signing with the Gold Coast. I read that there was um, but, uh, that's when the Knights, Brisbane, and Gold Coast yeah, come in in '88. All come in that same year, yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, hadn't hadn't well actually had only been in Newcastle once, and that was I think in about '86 when I was with St George and we played a game up here against Canberra, I think. Um, so, and typical not having seen Newcastle, didn't know too much apart from like everyone else that hasn't been here, it's a dirty industrial city. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely was that back then too. Yeah, mm. yeah, true. So, 
Um, but then I came up and had a good look around and, and um, you know, found how good it was. Uh, and then, although my decision was basically based on the fact that Alan McMahon, when I spoke to him, he said, listen, we're just chasing young blokes with the three Ts. He said they had to be tough, had to be able to tackle and had to have plenty of tomorrows. So whereas the Gold Coast were signing blokes at the end of their career and older fellas, so I ended up taking a punt and sort of decided on signing here. Yeah, so not, glad I did. Not a bad punt. Yeah, exactly. 188 first grade games, so it served you pretty pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I, I was I was pretty happy with that. So, I mean, I had a couple of injuries early on in my career, did my knee a couple of times and had a couple of broken bones here and there. So, um, but I ended up having a good run there for a while, which, which I guess helped things yeah nice how did you adapt from obviously wargo's country lifestyle and um, yeah, how did you adapt like when you moved to like st george and newcastle for instance well i guess it wasn't too bad being young and that sort of thing pretty excited going to the big smoke and yeah, yeah. you know more places to go out that sort of thing <laughs> and it was i guess back then in the 80s you know you only trained a couple of times a week uh played on the Saturday or Sunday, and that was about it. So, yeah, if you're playing Sunday, everyone got on the drink on Friday night, and <laughs> so you had the day to, to get over it. Nice, um, nice. So it wasn't too bad, but um, but then you know after sort of three years, I was pretty much sick of the traffic, and mm. you know I was looking forward to getting somewhere um, quieter, I guess. And, and Newcastle, you know, gave me that opportunity. Did you have family with you, or was it? Well, I was with, with my partner who became my wife, so she. She, um, yeah, we, we were going out then and um, we ended up getting engaged when we came up here, so. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so it was all right. So Newcastle's where it started to blossom for you, mate? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, it was it was pretty good uh, from that point of view. I mean, you know, it was such, well, Newcastle's such a great town. It's got all the lifestyle. It's pretty easy going and not as hectic as Sydney. Yeah. No, it's so. still a country town, really, at heart. I yeah, think. I reckon it is, mate. It's um, mate, pretty easy to get around still and. You know, some great beaches and you know, the lake and you've got Port Stephens up the road and the Hunter Valley up the road and yeah. Yeah. it's a great lifestyle. It, it is. is, it really is. Very bla- every morning we s- when we sit up the beach, it's just like, how lucky are we? Oh, exactly. Mate, so lucky. And, and it is, a f- a, you know, such a passionate footballing town. It is. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, and Newcastle's got a great history of rugby league. I mean, obviously they were in the first competition in 1908 when when the rugby league kicked off in Sydney. So I think they were only in for that first year. But um, So, yeah, it's a terrific history. And, you know, the fact that I was um, in that first year mm. of the Knights, I mean, I guess I was fairly lucky from that point of view and it holds pretty good memories. Yeah, nice. Nice. Um, would you, I, had, I wrote this thing down and I was like, I don't know, I, I guess you always ask, ask people this, but would you change anything in your career? Um, throughout your years? Like. Uh, I mean, I look back now and I, I think, I reckon if I stayed at St George, I'd probably play rep football. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my only, I guess, oh, what, what do you call it, I suppose. Coming here um, and Newcastle sort of had didn't have any rep players, that sort of thing, so I was starting from scratch, so it was going to be difficult. I know when I left St George, Johnny Raper had said to me, mate, if you leave... Probably, well, he said you're going to struggle to get a rep in a rep team. So, is that because the there wasn't as much eyes on Newcastle, or it was yeah, the, I, the, I think the, so. Yeah, the, definitely. I mean, if you look now, I mean, every game is televised. 
Mm. When we were playing, it was only televised, I think, on a Friday night yep. and a Saturday on the ABC and then Sunday Arvo. Yep. Even now, though, I really noticed that the big teams yep. get the televised, like, you yeah. know, Broncos always have the Friday night game yeah, or the Thursday right. night game. and So they certainly games. get more exposure on yeah. that from that point of view. So, no, definitely. And I so guess... I guess I guess the quality of players too, you know, if they're all the young and up and coming in Newcastle, yep. it's hard to get pushed. You know, when you have these guys at, at elite levels, you push yourself at training and you push yourself in games to match them and to better yeah. each other. Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, I guess from my point of view, I, I was disappointed that I didn't play for New South Wales or Australia. I mean, I was fortunate enough I got made um, the train-on squad for the Kangaroo Tour in 1990 um, for the World Cup Tour in 92 and then the training squad for the uh, Kangaroo Tour in 94, but unfortunately missed out. So, uh, And I would have loved to have played Origin as well. So, But that's what happens, and you know, I still don't regret the career I've had. Yeah, of course. Um, an interesting question that I wrote down was like um, <laughs> the culture back then to the culture in football now, is it, I think it's a massive difference. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Um Certainly back when we kicked off here at Newcastle, we had to have a really good culture because everyone, there was a heap of new players are coming from all over the place, um, a lot of local talent as well. Um, but we had a really good culture, I reckon, we developed in that year, over those years. Um, you know, the fact that we were tough, um, teams that came up here often would probably win the game but would go home battered and wounded and... Generally, the next week would get beat, um, and I guess you know with everyone worked then too, so different in Newcastle then. So you know you played on the Sunday or maybe the Saturday. Um, if you got beat, well, you had to go to work on the Monday. Yeah. So you know often if you got beat or you didn't play too well, there'd be people in your ear or at work. So it was pretty ordinary, and you had to face up. Yep. You know. So whereas the guys now they don't, well, they don't work. Uh, so football is their their full time profession, and really they don't see anyone if they have a poor game on on mm. the weekend or Friday night or whatever it is. They've only got their play their players, I suppose, yeah. to that they face. Yeah, not, not public held accountable. For yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I think I don't know. I'm not an expert, but there was so much more passion back then than there like for your club in in Saturday. I say that because. It, down the beach, you're always – we talked about it plenty of times, but we always see like Chief, yep. Gidley, Padiris, yeah. Crowey, all them boys still training and yep. having a coffee and like just the bond you can see yeah. between them blokes. But now it's like, oh, one minute someone's playing for this team yeah. and the next he's playing for that. And I think you yeah. know, that's where it's like, you know, is – yeah, it's difficult when, yeah. you know, now players might only be at a club for one or two years and then they're off to another club and, you know, could have half a dozen clubs in their career, whereas um, us guys, I mean, re well, I had St George and, and the Knights and that was it. So, you know, I'm playing long term. Like I played 10 years for the club, so there's not too many players these days would play mm -hmm. 10 years for I a club. I guess it's definitely more of an entertainment business side of things mm -hmm. rather than a... Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and I, I guess the way things are now, if depends if a new coach comes in and they get rid of some players or buy some other players in, and yeah. you know that's just a whole merry-go-round. I, I mean, I'm not a fan of. I think we should either have a draft or have mm. have you know part of the off season where you can then negotiate and trade players or 
do whatever. Yeah, not through the season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. For sure. Um, <laughs> interesting question. Who, who, I don't know if you can name one, but uh, give us a couple of, um, you know, of players that you really enjoy playing next to. Oh, well, there's plenty of them. I mean, I mean obviously Chief was fantastic. Mm. Butts was, was great too. I mean, that, that forward pack we had, um, you know, we just used to love getting ripping into the opposition. So, you know, David Boyd in the early years, a uh, bloke called Dave Mullane, who was, mate, wasn't that big, Bugsy, but, mate, he could belt blokes. Um, so sort of blokes in that forward pack. Um, later on, obviously, Andrew and Matthew Johns were terrific. Darren Albert, um, Owe, Owen Cray, he mate, just a freakish talent. Did you play much footy with or like them at the back end of your career? Like- yeah, towards the end, I played with, uh, obviously, Joey made his debut, I think, in 93 or 94. So had a few years with him. So, yeah. you know, it was – and. You know, back then he was fairly young, so didn't really control the team as much. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we'd have to pull him in, align him and Matt a bit because they wanted to play, you know, off the cuff footy and out the back. Did and you think he would it. develop into what he did? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you knew you from the that? start that, yeah, what a talent he was, mate. He was, well, he made his debut, I think, at 19 or whatever, 20. So mm. he was just, and I think he scored, what, 23 points or 24 points or something in that game. Yeah. Well, when um, like when I think of like you know yourself, butts, and the chief, always think of the clashes against Manly. Yeah, um, you know, chief and um, and Spud Carroll, Spud, yeah, oh. Spud, and um, but just the forward packs, you know what I mean? Like yeah, in the shed before them games, where you're having those sort of hype up conversations about. Oh, not not so much in the sheds before. We knew obviously that you when you played manly, you had to play at your best and you could try and get on top of the opposition. It was opposition, the rivalry. It was just the was, Newcastle yeah. rivalry. And yeah. that stemmed from that first ever game we played in um, in the preseason of '88. Yep. When they came up here and they were so Newcastle, the Newcastle Rugby League used to play, or rep team used to play whoever were the premiers from the year before yep. in a preseason game. So uh, they they did that at the beginning of 88, but it was going to be the Newcastle Knights to take them on. So we took on Manly, and obviously they were the premiers from 87, had a wonderful team, came up here. I think they thought it was going to be pretty easy, and we built the crap out of them so, <laughs> and, and won the game. Um, and I think from then that that stemmed a pretty good uh, rivalry yeah. between them and us, and that continued right through, obviously, until the 97 grand final. I mean, yep. you know, winning that after we'd been beaten, I think, by – you know, for 10 times, I think, when... And even that year, I think we played Manly four times prior to the grand final, once in a trial and uh, twice during the rounds and then in a semi-final and, and been beaten by them. So to beat them in the grand final was nothing better. Seal that done, the rival is finished. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like exactly. It, um, but, you know, like, I mean, the crowd used to love the fact that, that <laughs> you know, there was really... Big battles in the forge, you, you know. You don't, yeah, you don't see them battles anymore. No, not anymore. And and you know, if you do happen to see one or two, you know, where players are at each other, um, I think the crowd love it. You know. Oh yeah. You know, like I'll so look at that Nathan Brown from Parramatta, yeah. mate, and he's got plenty of aggression in him and that sort of thing. But the crowds love him yeah. because he rips in and 
Yeah, gives it to belt blokes. You're right. <laughs> and yeah. they but they don't have any leverage nowadays either. No, true. Yeah, and, yeah. and the game, you know, they've they've cleaned up the game a lot. So obviously the fact you've got video refs there, etc. So <laughs> mate, they don't miss anything anymore. No, that's no. right. They would have you would have got away with a couple of cheeky ones back in the day. Yeah, well, mate, not I remember actually we play we would play it was it was Balmain or South Sydney. Might have been Balmain anyway. Mate, I got the Fullback, he'd taken the ball like we'd kick down. He'd taken the ball up and he sort of stepped me and I chased him and got him from behind and then cleaned him up, knocked him out, carried him off the field. So it was hot, mate. I probably should have got four or five weeks. But yeah, that's it. It was play on. It's like a good, that's <laughs> it. it was play on. <laughs> and there was no, uh, after the game, like yeah. there's no, well, we'll check the video to see yeah, if it come it. up. And you know. yeah, if it didn't get yeah. seen, it was good. Yeah, bad luck. It's like a around. glorified. Version of pub footy nowadays, yeah, isn't it? yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, geez, uh, there was on, uh, they had on Fox actually, was that um, oh, a few weeks ago, just the Newtown Manly semi final from 1981, where <laughs> mate, it was just brutal. And um, a bloke called Mark Broadhurst that played for Manly, a Kiwi guy, front row, just got the absolute crap punched out of him, got <laughs> head butted, everything. And by well, Steve Bowden from Newtown, and and mate, he, they still remain on the field. Yeah, that's crazy, bloody hell! Wow. Sometimes I watch, get on YouTube, and I find myself in a rabbit hole. Like if I watch, I was with someone, and I was showing them like Chief and Spuds, yep. like all matchups, and then I got caught in a rabbit hole, and it was like Origin back in the day, like kick yeah. off one tackle, and yeah. <laughs> everyone's and then into the it. Stinks on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like back. Oh, it's it good to watch. Yeah. It was. I get caught in them. I watched one the other day, and it was when um. Mad Dog um, stomped two of his face. Oh, yeah, that was in the grand final. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> crazy. Could hardly walk. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. well, let's take it back a little bit. Um, how was you as as a child in the country? Um, mate, I loved growing up actually in Mogga. I mean, it was a good good town. I mean, it's it's a bigger city now. But back then when I was growing up, it had a population around thirty to 40,000, which is still pretty big. Um, but loved me footy. My old man played, so he had me and my brother playing footy, and mate, I just just loved it. So really enjoyed it. Um, I was fortunate enough. Uh, I played first grade down there my last year mm-hmm. um, when I was seventeen, turning eighteen. Uh, and that year, pre-season, the Wagga Rep team played uh, Manly and played Balmain. They came down there trial games against us, so. I played in those games as a seventeen-year-old, yeah. so yeah, nice. it was a bit so you daunting, had it, but it always was had it at a young age. Yeah, oh yeah, well, reasonably, I suppose. Yeah, and I was fortunate enough to play Australian schoolboys too. So yeah, nice. And parents and stuff like had a good upbringing with. All, all yeah, it did mate. I was very fortunate there. Although I lost my mum pretty early, that uh, in '84. So when I was seventeen, turning eighteen, she passed away with breast cancer. So yeah, that was a, a bit difficult, I guess, but. Um, but yeah, otherwise been been pretty good, mate. Yeah, nice. Nice. All right, well, this is an interesting one, and I, I said to, I think I might have talked to you just before, like um, life after footy, it, re- it really intrigues me. Um, and it's like, I don't know, uh, from the outside looking in, it's like the football players are, are just form this identity, you know, as, yep. as rugby league um, football players. So... How did you adapt after, you know, there was no football? Yeah. Oh, for, me, for me, it wasn't too bad in the fact that I was I was one of the only ones that was still working ah. at the end of 97 when I left here and went to England. So 
Um, and so professional or fully professionalism came in when the Super League sort of war hit, so about 95, 96, 97. Oh, okay. um, so I was still working. I was a licensed real estate agent and working, doing that um, with Dowling Real Estate. I'd done that for, you know, 10 or 12 years, was doing the same in Sydney and then came up in Newcastle. Um, but when I left uh, to go to England to play over there for two years, um, I was going to sort of buy into one of the Dowling franchises and um, but didn't, thinking, because I didn't want to be away for two years and not have any involvement in it. So I didn't, and my aim was to go back to real estate when I got back here. But uh, when I got back, I, I didn't and end up working for Turnbull Hill Lawyers as a business development manager with them, mm-hmm. chasing... Um, the real estate agents who I, I knew and getting them to, to put their business through us. Um, so I did that and did a Masters of uh, Marketing at, in, at the uni, Newcastle Uni. Uh, and then after I was there at Turnbull Hill for about seven and a half years, I ended up getting a role with um, the Alcohol and Drug Foundation. I've been with them ever since. Yeah, nice. So for instance, like you're obviously still involved with some football yeah, um, yeah. So obviously, my boys played with South Newcastle Junior Rugby League. Um, the youngest one, he plays with the Meriwether Carlton and the Rugby Union, but which is all right. Cobalt. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and my other son, he plays with South Newcastle in their first grade team. Um, and my daughter plays uh, in the league tag team yep. with them. So I'm now assistant coach with, yeah. with them, so coaching them. Uh, and they're in the grand final for this weekend, which is great. Yeah, nice. Do you hear of any of these newer generation NRL players coming through that that struggle after after their professional career comes um, to an end? I think they do. I mean, and probably even ourselves, you know, even though I was working and that sort of thing, uh, when you do give the game away and you're not going to training anymore where all your mates are, the social side for so long, yep. um, you don't have an outlet on the weekend to, you know, get any frustration out of you or, or those sort of things. So I, I did struggle for a bit um, around not sure what to do with myself. Um, I'm missing footy, yep. you know, all those sort of things. So, yeah, your mental health suffers a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in saying that, I, and I guess, you know, players these days, I mean, they, they – the NRL do try and prepare them for life after football. Yeah, okay. If possible, they try and get them to do some sort of courses. Yeah, some whatever it may be. Yeah, okay. So forms of education and that. Yeah, sort of yeah, thing. definitely. Yeah, I, I know with the the under twenties, um, when they were playing, they had to be either in in work of some sort mm. at uni or tech. Whatever, yeah, okay. But they had to have something. Yeah, I think it's super important. Definitely, like for them to. You know, I didn't realise until you just said, like, I was, you were still working throughout yeah. your career. So I think that's super important to still have yeah. an outlet for sure, know, and not make football your whole identity. And yeah, skill, that's right. I guess, you know, another form of skill for when they do come out, yeah. out of their professional career. Well, and the, the thing about it is that the stats are that um, life in the NRL as a professional footballer lasts only, on average, I think it's two years. So yeah. it's not long. Yeah, not long at all. Mm. Shit. Definitely. Well, you got to – when, you know, if you do do it for a, a long enough period and when that stops, you have to grieve it in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Do it, you know it, what I mean? It's like, a bit like that because um, it's difficult. Like because all of a sudden you're 
used to going, well, especially these days, they're used to going and being told, mm. got to be here, mm. this is what you got to do, this is what you got to eat, this is what you got to drink. Everything's laid out for them. That's what intrigues me. And if they do that for a long period of time and all of a sudden that stops, mm. they, they miss it all. Yeah, that's right. Or they just don't. Yeah. You know, I mean, even even current players, and I I don't know whether it's still the same. Hopefully, it's they've still got a. But their managers control a lot of their their finances and their mm. their life to a degree. So they might say, "Listen, I'll look after your finances. I'll put money into the bank, put it into this investment, and I'll just pay your wage every week." Mm. But they don't. So you know, paying bills and all those sort yeah. of things, they don't know how to yeah, do it. Especially if they've come out of, they've been in the school system, they've left school straight into the NRL. Yeah. yeah it's just well, the we asked things, the, ad- the adulting things, you know. We asked Oli yeah. about it because obviously he came in at a young age. And yeah, that's right. He said he, he didn't know anything. Yeah. He didn't know how to do anything, you know. No, that's right. And all um, of a sudden he's, he's away from his family, mm. possibly living on his own or living with someone else. And there was, there was actually there was a guy, a young guy from Wagga, this is f- several years ago now, who was a really gun player, only a young kid at fifteen or sixteen. Parramatta signed him um, and brought him up to Sydney, put him in a house with a couple of guys at around eighteen, and you know they end up getting him on the drink and the mm. drugs and mm. end up lost his way. Good, yeah, mm. shit. That's what so it's happen. mate. That's what can happen. It's it's bloody difficult. And I. Uh, I reckon it happens more times than we yep. hear about. You oh, know? without doubt, mate. Even, you know, it's always happened right through. You know, there's always been, you know, even when I was playing, there's players better than me and, mm. but, mate, just either got on the drink and the drugs yeah. and just went the wrong path and yeah. didn't stay committed. Yeah. Yeah, well. So um, that sort of bring, leads us into the next question, the Alcohol and Drug Foundation. How did you yep. fall into that? Um, just a matter of seeing an ad and I thought, oh, Here's an opportunity to be involved with sports. So within the Alcohol and Drug Foundation, I work on a program called Good Sports, which is aimed at local community sporting clubs around managing alcohol responsibly, having illegal drug policies, those sort of things. So um, making sure that the, that sporting club at the local uh, community area is a safe environment for especially young kids to go into. So, um, And some clubs aren't that great. Um, you know, it's all about getting on the drink and the drugs and mm. whatever else, and it can be difficult. I, I remember when I, not long after I'd started with the Australian Drug or the Alcohol and Drug Foundation, we used to be the Australian Drug Foundation. Um, but there was a rugby union club that part of the deal was if if a player made a debut in the first grade, then what they had to do was they got tagged with an older player and they had to follow and do everything he did. So that was yeah. even after the game. So this poor kid who was about 17 or 18, um, and this was up in the valley, uh, he played first grade that day at the end of the, the game and when they got dressed back at the pub, he had to go, he was drinking schooner for schooner with this bloke who could scull as a front rower. Mm. And, and this poor kid ended up throwing up, was crook as a dog, they had mm. to ring his parents to come and get him who weren't happy, obviously. So Of course. You know, so those sort of things is what we're trying to, not or trying to stop, I suppose, within 
in community sport. And there's a lot of pressure on on someone that age too, that young coming up, because you know you just want to fit in, you just want to make yeah. an impression and oh, without and, doubt, mm, yeah, and be received into the you know the group. Yeah, so. exactly. That's what yeah. a sporting community is about. Like, whether no matter what you play, like it's all they're either sponsored by a pub. Yeah. or have a pub to go back yeah. to. So. And, and we say, look, that's okay, and we don't mind that, and clubs sell alcohol and to raise yeah. money, et cetera, and that's fine, as long as they do it responsibly. Right, and yeah. same thing with, you know, when you're drinking, just making sure it's done responsibly. Yeah, yeah. And safely, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, right. that sort of led me, you know, I was only playing pub footy, like that's how me and Josh met in 2012, yep. and sort of let, you know, it's not an excuse. It was my, my own doing, but the environment I was in around playing – footy and stuff and you know it's just all about going back to the pub and getting on it and then that's how i picked up you know habits habits and yeah led into my addiction and six years later and you know i'm not playing footy but i'm still stuck in this fucking you know just whirlwind yeah, of like thing. not mm-hmm. just lost myself completely so yeah. you know like i said i don't i black i own my part in everything so but to be in that environment it's it's hard i mean it's difficult and and that's you know if if it's a a kid who mightn't have a great environment at home Mm. and he goes to a sporting club and he loves his sport that might be his only safe environment hopefully he's got a great coach and a great mentor from that point of view who he sees as like a parent figure so hopefully you know they get that right person around them but if they're not if they're at the wrong club where it's all about getting on the drink and the drugs and that sort of thing, that poor kid's going to be led astray. And, yeah. You know, down the track he's probably going to be either in jail or mm. dead. Yeah, wasting his future. Mm. I guess that's like sports in general though, you know what I mean? Like if you look at the UFC, the basketball, yep. the football, like Friday night, oh, let's go to the pub and watch mm. the footy. You mm. know what I mean? So it's not just playing it. Like yeah. sports is associated with Oh, exactly. With drinking. I mean, that's the thing. And it's hard to get away from that. And... And certainly we don't want alcohol not to be part of, of sport, you know, especially the fact that in local community sport, I mean, pubs and clubs sponsor the majority of sport. Without them, you wouldn't have that sporting club. Yeah, so correct. so we want them to be part of it, but we just want them to do it responsibly and safely. So, And that's how they make their, you know, their money for their for their whatever it is their jerseys or or, yep. or other things you know like when we played for carrington they were you know they had the the canteen set up and and them selling beers and that yeah. sort of thing that's how they make their money yeah, to continue exactly. the club along that's so, right because yeah. without the money they can't survive so yeah, no, and exactly. we realize that but we just want to make sure that you know if they're selling alcohol they're going to sell someone that's you know mm. half cut already or you know they're going to make a mess of themselves or going to give it to someone that's underage or all those sort of things. It's interesting, like, you know, you've got to have your RSA, your RSA, yep. to, to serve these alcohols at these sporting events, but how no, well right. is it policed? Well, not very. Yeah. I mean, the licensing police, and unfortunately with the police, they're, they're so busy doing other stuff anyway yeah. um, that licensing isn't high. On the priority on the list. On the priority list, mm. yeah. So Unless someone makes a call or anything. That, you're not, that's right. Yeah, you're not really getting those. Yeah. I mean, they do check every now and again. Yep. Um, but not as frequent yeah, as you need it. No, that's right. Yeah, How long have you been um, in that job for? Like about 13 and a half years now. Yeah, well. How yeah. much has it changed from when you first started to now? Uh, yeah, it certainly changed a lot. I mean, from the fact that when I first started, there were plenty of clubs doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Um, whereas now it's a lot more clubs realise that in order to keep their sponsors and that sort of thing, they've got to 
I guess, show themselves that they're doing the right thing, which most of them are anyway, which which is a good thing. Mm. Um, the good thing with our program is that we've got a number of councils on board that make it a criteria if clubs use the ground or facilities from council, then they have to be a good sports accredited club, mm. which uh, is the case with Newcastle Council here. So mm. we're hopefully going to try and get Lake Macquarie to do the same thing. Yeah, nice. So what do you just like go and approach the people at the top of the club and yeah so generally the president or the secretary and speak with them and um i'll either present to committees or maybe just the um the president or the secretary etc explain what the program's about um and just by being in the program you know things won't happen so you know we provide everything for them whether it's the policies etc uh we subsidize for the rsa if they need members rsa trained etc um, so yeah, so it's really about helping them along the path to try and make those changes if they're doing uh, the wrong things. Yeah, nice. And it's also about creating the club to be, you know, a more professional club. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. you look at Wes, Wes, they're hated because they're so professional. Yeah, like yeah, they have right. money behind them, but they're a professional club. You know, exactly. from you know under what eights or whatever yeah. the start yeah. is. You know, all the way up to first grade, they're a professional right. club, and that's why they're you know yeah. and, pretty and disliked. Right, there's plenty of kids and parents want their, their kids playing there. Yeah, so. exactly right. Oh yeah, you look at how many kids in that go there on the weekends. It's yeah, crazy. That's right. So some you got to sign up years year before. Yeah, yeah. Just to get in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But it's a good introduction. Like I coached under sixes first time I've coached, and I yep. coached my partners under um, six year old son in. And, man, it was, what an experience it was, you know. It, mm. it was awesome because, like, I think for me growing up, I don't know, I, I had a bit of a, like, my childhood was a bit, you know, touch and go. So uh, fo- football was an outlet for me. Yeah. But um, just to, to have these bunch of kids, their first introduction mm. in sport and trying to be, you know, uh, just a positive influence yeah, and make exactly. it fun for them, it's so Yeah, crucial. that's right. Oh, massively. Because... You know, my idea of when I was coaching, I coached my kids through, you know, from under sixes, sevens, right through. Um, my philosophy was you've got to make it fun mm. for them. They've got to enjoy themselves and you've got to teach them a couple of the basic things. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, you want them to hopefully either come back next year or when they have become adults, have kids of their own, they think, I had such a good time playing mm. footy, I want my young kids to play it as yeah, well so definitely. so it's really important that you make it enjoyable for them yeah and it's the bond you know we touched oh, on that a couple yeah. of podcasts ago like when you play with someone in like a you know in a sport in team environment it it might only be for two years mm. but you'll see that person five years down the track you're like yeah we're, yeah. we're rock solid you know exactly what I mean? yeah it's yeah, just no, that nothing bond better than that. Yeah. that that's right you're going through the same things together and it's you push it's massively other. important and that's a good thing about you know kids playing sport i mean they might have then their school friends, but they got their sport friends, so they meet a heap of other kids out of sport, and that's the great thing. About yeah, it. and you're going through mixed emotions with you know a group of guys, you know, or girls. You're going, you know, you're winning, you're losing, you're yep. happy, you're sad. Yeah, yeah, that's no, good. Nothing better. No, there's nothing better. Yeah, like that's what I said a couple of episodes ago. Like you know, I'll still see someone that I played with in under 14s, you know, and mm. I'm like. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. We're, we're rock that, solid. It's like it. he's my best mate, yeah. like, and we haven't spoken in exactly. 10 years. Yeah, but so. you've got that bond because yeah. you did something together, together in the yeah. sporting yeah. field. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly right. So I what, loved it. Um, what would, would there be anything that you would change in the game nowadays around that drug and alcohol stuff or, like, how, how the game's ran? Oh, 
mate, probably, uh, I mean, it, they certainly blow things out of proportion. Well, I won't say out of proportion, but it gets a hell of a lot of headlines now if anyone does anything around alcohol and mm. that sort of thing. I feel it's the, the media, though. I don't mm. feel it's the NRL that blow it out no, as true. much. But in, but in saying that, it's, it's always going to happen. I mean, the NRL players these days are that well-educated around drugs, around alcohol, that mm. sort of thing, doing the wrong thing. Social media, that they know what they can and can't do, um, but yet they still seem to, to do the wrong thing. So, And it's only you know a few people that do it, and it's because either they've probably been on the drink mm. and they've done the wrong thing around that side of things or they've made a decision that they're going to try and do wrong thing you know you look at michael jennings at the moment yeah. that's possibly taken a drug now that's probably got to do with him getting older yeah trying to repair his hamstring or mm. injury he's got um a bit like jared mullen i think yeah so it's bloody difficult but you end up getting caught and you pay the price yeah and then those you know those mainstream medias they headline it in specific yeah. ways to get you to click on it and read it and it just tarnishes them yeah well mate yeah, I remember after the um, after the Bulldogs drama at Coffs Harbour, I think that was in 2004 yeah. maybe, a bit earlier. Um, I remember apparently, supposedly I'd heard through the rumour channel that um, the media, all those in the media said, let's try and find any dirt we can on any player, any rugby league, any sport, whatever. So they just went hard at it. And I think, and you look, you know, I, we follow the states, I suppose, we, you know, we're probably 10 or 15 years behind the states, but you look at their players, etc. in all their high-profile sports, the same thing, you know, the, the media has just chased them around trying to get a, a dirty, dirty story, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, um, what was like maybe a month ago, month and a half, what was that um, Canberra Raider player that um, was drunk and passed out in between the roots oh, of the tree? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Bloody, uh, Curtis Scott. Curtis Scott, yeah. yeah. Right, so the police approached him. There's no need for any of that footage to go out. Just help the bloke get no, home. Like he's drunk. Exactly. You know Come what mate, I mean? Get up, we'll get a cap here. Yeah, why did it need to get out and blow out of proportion? Why that, did it need to make the provoking him? Even yeah. that, leave him there. He's asleep. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Like if he was a homeless, would they have woken the homeless bloke up no? and said, mate, come on, what are you doing? Mm. Yeah, no. No, yeah, not at all. So, no. Yeah, that, that, goes that was ways. just... And, and look, there's no doubt... Um, I would hate to be playing now because, you know, whenever you're out, everyone's got a phone on mm. with a camera in it and now whatever you're doing, they can take a photo of you and then either send it straight to the paper and say, oh, such and such was doing this. Or Within three so, seconds, it's online. Yeah, yeah, I went to a nice. grand final, um, not a grand final, um, State of Origin dinner yep. last year and uh, Freddie and Kevy was there mm -hmm. and... Um, I asked Kevy this same question I was going to ask you was, would you have rather played back when you played to now, given obviously the money wasn't there then, yep. but the the, the, the limelight wasn't in? Yeah, 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 true, or would, true. You, would you rather play now and get that money, but be not be able to live your life? Yeah, it's a tough one. I, I mean, probably back when I played because you had a whole lot mm. more fun. Whereas now I reckon you don't have that sort of fun anymore, but the payment's there. So, yeah, that's it. yeah that's it's hard. just funny. I mean, I look at it now and it's difficult because, you know, you've got majority of players that are that age group between 18 and 
26 or 7, with a heap of money, I can't really go out and spend it too much or have a good time because of all that you know, people want to... That's what dumbfounds me, though. Like, it, there's got to be a little bit of leniency there from... I know the media is the media, but like when they do get caught getting you know having having some drinks or whatever but there's got to be some leniency there if you're at that age bracket where everyone from the age of 18 to 20 something has experienced partying or doing you know whatever you do you know that that's the part of your life where you you go through them experiences to mold you to where you want to be a bit later in life yeah. and you have all that money and you can't you yeah, but I'm, I'm of the opinion, mate, they made a choice. Yeah, fair They want to be a professional rugby league player and yeah. earn that money. With that comes certain responsibilities. Yep. And that's the choice you make. So if you don't want to do that and you want to go and mm. enjoy that life of a 18 to 25-year-old and get on the piss every weekend and do whatever, well, give the footy away yep. and go and do that. Yeah, mm. that's a fair call. Yeah. You sort of get them thoughts and then when you – you take a step back and you think, fuck, you know, when I was this big, you know, when I was eight, yeah. like, you know, looking up to the likes of yourself and, yeah. and Paul Harrigan and, and that, like, fuck, you just idolised them, you know what I mean? Now that we're older, they're just, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? We're just fucking yeah. normal blokes. Just normal blokes that play yeah, footy. Yeah, exactly. Like but, like, when you're, yeah, they have to hold a standard for these these yeah. eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds. Right, exactly. yeah. And that's something I'll always lose a bit of focus of. I think, oh, yeah, you know, like, why can't they go and do mm. these sorts of things, you know, or... Yep put them on a boat and let them do what they got to do on their, you know, mad Mondays or whatever mm. and lock the phones away. Let them, let them be, you know what I mean? But then I think, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. Well, I'm put, well they do that now. I mean, they still have a sort of mad Monday, but it's not as mad. promoted and and, closed doors. and it's all in behind closed doors and the phones are put over in the corner in a box and yep. boys do your best. It's a far, so, yes. far cry. Bit different to our day. Mad Mondays. <laughs> the first ever Mad Monday we had in Newcastle, we did a pub crawl and back then in Hunter Street, like there was a heap of pubs in Hunter Street in 88. So we, we started at the ground, went over to um, the General Roberts, had a few beers and got a bus, like a just a normal government bust into town <laughs> with a few old ladies on there and we're singing to them. And, them. <laughs> and then, then did a pub crawl down the slope. And by the time we got sort of down towards the end, they were pubs were in ahead going, they're on the way, lock the doors. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah so it was, nice. it was pretty bad. I'm glad, you know, probably should have made the papers and did yeah. whatever. But, you know, if it was done now, it'd be horrendous so. yeah that's awesome when um when you were playing on the field because i know now when i'm in the crowd you know and that newcastle chant starts yeah. you know that newcastle newcastle <laughs> and just gets louder and louder what's that like oh it's unbelievable feeling yeah. i mean it makes the hairs on your back stand up it's yeah. just gives you a second wind yeah definitely definitely yeah. it's nothing better really i mean and you know when we we made the semi-finals and the grand final in 97 i mean that chant started to go through like it was un unreal mm. yeah i remember when you's um when you's won that grand final that first one and um because i was living at belmont at the time and i just ran down to the main to the main drag in belmont yeah. and just stood in the medium strip as the buses were going back past and Mate, it, was, it was awesome yeah so, newcastle yeah. was flooded <laughs> flooded with people yeah it was mate by the time we got back to um to the workers club mate, it was it took us about an hour to get get back there and like we got there and there was bloody about 10,000 people out the front of the workers club and not to mention the amount of people that were in there but it was just unbelievable mm. that's yeah, remarkable they, they love yeah. their footy yeah, on yeah it was awesome I, I do say if I could relive one more time, life uh, one more day in my life yeah. that'd be it yeah, yeah. Day, yeah. yeah nice definitely.
What were you thinking five minutes out from the from the end there? Well, at the end, so I, we'd just scored before. the try and even it up, and then I took the hit up and I dislocated my finger. So I came off, got it put back in. I thought, I'll go back on in extra time. But there was no extra time. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a bit dirty. I was on the sideline when Albie crossed over. But but anyway, mate, it was an awesome feeling. That was remarkable. That was like... Still now, when you think about it, you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's that unreal watching it play. Mm. It was, that was it was um, was I? I think I was in Newcastle, but I was, I was obviously very young. But then in the 2001 as well, yeah, yeah, that one I sort of went over to the stadium and that, and that, that was crazy. yeah, it was pretty good too, actually, because I, I went down to the the game and, and watched it, and then came back and then partied on with the, the boys back <laughs> at the, the back club. It was yeah, it was pretty good. Oh, nice, nice. So, I had something then, but I totally forgot. So. <laughs> now, I was thinking about this one. Um, what advice have you given your children, you know, with your experience around, like, sport and maintaining a, a balanced life? Like, what, what? Oh, Mainly around just make sure they enjoy it. Um, and, you know, our kids, my wife and I, we sort of push that they be part of sporting teams. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless, didn't you know, they didn't have to go and become you know, the best player in the world or professionals, but as long as they were in part of a sporting team because I think you get so much out of being, as you said before, so much out of being um, involved in a sporting team, um, you know, making so many friends and what you go through, et cetera, and, you know, winning comps or... So it doesn't matter, you know, they're hard enough to win no matter what level it is. So, you know, if you can win a grand final... At any level, it's a pretty great experience. I think you take it for granted when you're growing up, like, well, some kids, because, you know, you you make more grand finals when, obviously, you're growing up. Yep. Then you see in the NRL and, like, Heine and that, for yeah. example, like, some play an extended career and just do not make a no, grand final no. or win a grand final. Let alone win one, that's yeah. right. Yeah. To even make one is a great achievement. Is so. lucky. How was the hype the week before? Oh, pretty good, actually. We it was funny because we because Mal really had wanted us to take us away from Newcastle, and the boys said, "No, no, we want to experience the, the atmosphere." So um, there's a bit of stuff around, like heap of media stuff, and yeah. you know, trying to get training in between. And um, I remember at the ground when we trained, there was always probably you know a couple of thousand people there watching us train and cheering us on. And, Crazy. Um, and then on the Thursday, we had to go down and do the – the, or Wednesday, we went down and to Sydney and stayed the night because then we had to do the breakfast, the rugby league breakfast, the grand final breakfast in the morning on the Thursday. So we had to be up early and went to that and then travelled back home again on the bus. Uh, and then on the Saturday when we got on the bus to go down to Sydney, it was incredible. It would have been – Probably about three thousand people at, at the car park oh, there at the front right. of the ground, and they were lined up all the way along Newcastle Road on the way out. So it was they were lined up everywhere: Charlestown, yeah. Belmont, yeah, Swansea. Mate, it was, like it was incredible, just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah really. I mean, it sort of got really emotional for, especially for for us, like Butts, myself, and Chief, and that had been there from day one. You know, because mm. we'd always said, "Oh, imagine if we made a grand final, what it'd be like." So. To, to see all those people out and just waving and cheering us on, but you could see in their faces how much they wanted us to win. So, you know, we more or less saw Chief said, you know, boys, look at their faces. We can't come home empty-handed. So, mm. 
He got put on the spot yesterday, Chief. I told you. Yeah, 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 one yeah. of the boys that um, was we sit down there at Merriweather yep. most mornings have a coffee. And one of the boys, Ty, he's um, he must have he's going back to his car, and the chief was there, and, and um, Ty's mother's just um, just pulled through some um, some cancer oh, yeah. and 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 everything. She's um, she's all good now. So. Um, and her favourite football player is um, Paul. Chief, yeah. Yeah, so he, um, he just approached her and said, oh, you know, like, I'd love you just to send a, you know, glad to hear everything's going well message to her, yeah. <laughs> and you just see the start of the video, it's just the Chief, and then it's, all right, go. <laughs> you can just see he's just been thrown on the spot. He's like, hey, it's Paul Arrigan here, yeah. That was great. Bro. I'm sure, mate, he's a great fella, Chief. He'll, he'll do anything like that. Yeah, good so. bloke, so... And I'll tell you, like, you're looking pretty fit still. The Chief's was, looking fit still. Like, the, yeah, all you older boys, you're still looking yeah, pretty that fit. That was my next question. You've been very consistent, like, at the gym and, and still ripping in. Like, how do you find that mental time? Is it because, like, do you do you miss the game and, like, you say you're still involved in football and you're still involved in fitness because that's your outlet or...? Yeah, pretty much. I, I think, um, you know, I've always like, trained pretty hard when I played. I, it was interesting when I first left Wagga and went to Sydney with St George. I, I thought I was reasonably fit. <laughs> then did their first training session. I just got smashed and was behind everything. I thought, shit, I know I'm going to have to train my ass off to to get sort of anywhere near these guys. So that's what I made a decision, just train my butt off and be as fit as I can be and just continue doing that when I finish playing. Mm. It's good. It keeps you, like, sharp, mentally sharp. Yeah, it does. I, I mean, I... At the end of every season, I would just have one week off, do nothing for the week after the last game, and then back into training straight after that. Have you always been a morning trainer? Yeah, yeah. pretty much, yeah. Rather train in the morning, get it over with, and <laughs> I reckon you'd have, have some pull at Planet Fitness. Get them back to the 24 hours. Oh, don't worry, I'm trying to, but I'm pushing for that. But yeah. apparently they can't get any bugger to work because yeah. of yeah, right. you know, the old job keeper. Yeah. No one wants to do the hours in the morning, so yeah. I guess once JobKeeper finishes, they might get a few people to do it. Yeah, right. Um, the new um, the new managers made a few changes. It's busy in the mornings yeah. now. Oh, it is, mate. Probably getting madness, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. why that extra hour wouldn't be used to see it between four and four thirty. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was always that. good because you're in there an extra. So you're gone by five thirty, just yeah. after five thirty, and beat you, all the crowd. You, you miss the rush. Yeah, but at the moment, like that's what I said to you this morning. Like, fuck, she's uh, she's <laughs> getting busy in this. Yeah, yeah. words getting around marks there. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm only there, there for a short <laughs> amount of time. Yeah, yeah no, but that's um, that's what Simone said to me. Actually, she's like, oh. I said, oh, you've done well. Like, there's a lot of improvements in that. Like, it's doing good. She goes, oh, thanks. I said, yeah, but that's not a, that's not a good thing. I said, look at all these people <laughs> yeah, here right now. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. a bit more equipment, make it a bit bigger. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. The first 20 minutes is quiet when we get there. And then yeah, that's right. Next minute's like rush, just, rush, rush. Yeah, but you'd struggle yeah. because you're always on the treadmill. Yeah, you're yeah. on the treadmill when you first get that's there. Right. So by the time you get off and get to the equipment, yeah. it's busy. Yeah, <laughs> makes it difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, just keep pestering them. We'll send an email yeah. in. Well. Yeah, just, <laughs> just keep, keep on their asses. So, all right, I'm might good. do the three before you flee. Yeah, man. Um, first question, sort of off the back of what we just talked about, what motivates you to wake up and just keep doing what you're doing? Oh, just to live a healthy, healthy life, really. Um, and especially it's important for me because I lost my father uh, last year. He ended up having dementia as well. So played rugby league. Um, hopefully I don't end up like him. So it was sad to see him the way he was. So I'm keen to continue. And, and he became quite like 
when he gave football away, didn't do too much training and that sort of thing, just drank a heap of piss as well and whatever. So, you know, my life is, yeah, enjoy yourself, but don't enjoy, you know, to where it affects your health. So I'm about trying to still be healthy and sane and remembering stuff and hopefully knowing my kids when I'm older. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's something my grandma's going through. They've actually... I think it was two, two, three weeks ago. They just had to put her into a home because, yeah, it just got to the point where she was um, unsure whether she was taking medication, yeah, just cooking, and right. then forgetting things on the stove yep. and that sort of thing. It just got to the it's point different. where it was, yeah, and it was, it's very sad to see. Mm. Absolutely, yeah, sure. yeah, gut wrenching. Like I think in August, yeah, for my birthday, um, you know, we all caught up for for my birthday dinner and um, just um, like her seeing my son, you know, still, mm. yeah, oh, is this yours? You know, just. Yeah. But you ask her to sing a song that she knows from yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. problem. Yeah, was your father like that? Yeah, he'd go through stages where he thought he was back in his childhood. Yeah, okay, so things. it was getting real bad then. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, he got to the stage where he you know, couldn't talk and yeah. didn't know who people were and couldn't share himself and all that sort yeah, of it's stuff. It's sad so. to see. Very sad. Uh, next one. Uh, what legacy do you want to be remembered for? Um, hopefully as a... Pretty good footballer and a good bloke, really. I can vouch for that. <laughs> I like what, it. I what, like it. That what, plain and um, simple. I like it. That's good. What little, little bit uh, I do know about you from the, from their morning gym sessions. Yep. You've always been, you know, a chatty person, and and mm. you know it's it's hard because obviously you've been, everybody knows you. Do you know what I mean? If they know football, and yeah. but you've always come across as, as a humble guy, and you know it's really good to see that. So. Yeah, well, that, I think that's probably my upbringing, mate, and. You know, being born in the bush sort of mostly does that. But, I mean, just because I played football, I'm no more special than the other person that, you know, is yeah. just working and hasn't played footy or done anything, so. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. So send that email. <laughs> send that email to Planet Fitness. Let's get back to 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. It's just with the replay of the 97. I'm going to have to ring Dallas and say, listen, mate. Yeah. Geez. That's yeah. it. Nah, for sure. <laughs> just give you a key. We'll just open up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I should ring Dallas and say, listen, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Because Dall- Dallas was actually our, our uh, fitness coach, sort of gym yeah, weights right. coach in 90, 95, 96, 97. Yeah, right. okay. At the Knights, yeah. Well, there you go. You'd definitely – you'd have shares, wouldn't you? Or? Yeah, well, <laughs> I know Dallas pretty well, mate. So <laughs> great fellow too. Yeah, cool. Yeah, he's a top bloke. I see him around a fair bit. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. All right, last but not least, what's next for Mark? By the way, you must. I knew you would be a good bloke with, with your name spelt with a C. With a C, yeah. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Unusual, that's not everyone. Very unusual. Very, yeah. That's right. Right. Um, <laughs> what's next? Jeez, I, uh, hopefully maybe an early retirement. I don't know. As long as I've, I've got enough money to live by, which I probably won't have. But um, no, just continuing what I'm doing and enjoying life, really. Yeah. I'll take like it one it. day at a time. Yeah, exactly. Probably look forward to having grandkids when my kids get married and settle yeah. down. Got a couple of, or um, well, one NRL player in the making and one Wallabies player in the making. Yeah. Or what? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh, the young bloke that was playing with uh, that plays with South. He was he was in the Knights Juniors. Yeah, right through. But is he, is he in the first grade? Squad, yeah, 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 yeah. So he's actually captain there. But um, what, so what he, position? Uh, five eight. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so they play Cessnock on the weekend. Yeah, the I was out there on the weekend against Wild. Yeah, yeah. Cracker, watching Dill play. It was good, yeah. 
And, um, yeah, that, that was one of the most entertaining games of footy I watched. Yeah, it was well. good. I'm getting up there. I think I might have met a young bloke the next day at the beach, actually. Does he go up Blue Door in the morning? Yeah. Has he got yeah, blonde hair? Yeah. Yeah, I did yeah. meet him. There you go. <laughs> there you go, small world. Actually, there's yeah. just two of the boys that that um, that drink, oh, that go to Blue Door in the mornings that come up for a coffee. Um, one plays for Cessnock. South. Oh, Cessnock. Yeah. And one plays for South. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so we're getting them on the podcast yeah, next Thursday. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. That'd be good. So but they're, they're pretty quiet. They were quiet this morning. <laughs> Very quiet. Yeah, they're not talking smack. Yeah, right <laughs> so, so there's no confidence no. in it, is there? They actually said that it's probably not the grand final everyone thought it would be. They're maybe, you know, obviously the West and the Wild. Yeah, so yeah, that's right. Talk, but no, it was good. And like, no, it would be good. Well, I don't think Cessnock's going to They haven't been in the grand final for a little while. Nah, nah. I think last time. Oh, yeah, I can't remember last time, but yeah, it should be interesting mm, for sure. So, who you got? Who you picking for the GF in the NRL? Uh, now, when this gets dropped next week, mm, possibly your team could be eliminated. <laughs> yeah, so. true, true. Well, I'm, I'm. I was tipping. I'm still going to tip uh, Penrith Canberra Grand Final. Yeah. Yep. You think they're going to handle the nerves this week, Penrith? I think so. Yeah, they've seen to have done it so far. Yep. Uh, all the way along. They've been playing great footy. They're going to miss um, kick out, but yes. I think. Um, the Rabbitohs are fine in form. Um, I mean, they're scoring plenty of points. So, you know, if you're going to beat the Rabbitohs, you've got to have to score about yeah. 40 points to beat them. And Storm are the Storm. Yeah, yeah well, mate, they just play so good. I think they're going to miss Munster, but. Well, they reckon is he, he might, out, is he? Yeah, they reckon he's coming back. Oh, he's going to play? Well, that was on the news this morning. Yeah, at the risk. gym. They reckon he yeah, might come okay. back. Yeah, you never know. There's head games there that goes. Yeah, on true. And all that sort true, of stuff true. too. So, yeah. look, I'm hoping Canberra. I mean, I'd like to see Penrith win, but I feel like Canberra got done over pretty hard with yeah, that call last year. Too. So yeah, I'd like to see fair. them. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Rooster supporter. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, I'd like. You know, I think. Yeah, I think they. I'd like to see them. Yeah. get up. Yeah, it just be because good. of that. If yep. it wasn't because of that, it'd be Penrith, but I think they just got... They'd be a bit out of the tank, though. Them games were pretty pretty full-on, like the last week's mm. games would have took a bit out of all oh, the sides that played. Yeah, so. yeah, they yeah. Good. and two former Newcastle players playing with Canberra, too, so yeah. in Hudson Young and yeah. Tom... Um, Tommy's name now, the hooker. Oh, yeah, Tommy Starling. Tom Starling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that Hudson Young's from Maitland, yeah, because... Mm. Um, my partner's young boy goes to school with his brother. Yeah. Right. Greeter. Yeah. It was old man played lower grades at the Knights. Yeah, right. He had a blinder last week. Yeah, killed it. Yeah. Real strong. All right, mate. No worries. Thanks heaps for your time. Really appreciate no, it. I appreciate you inviting me in, boys. Oh, it's great thank to you, talk. Man. It's good to, to relive the past. Yeah, exactly. Good, actually. You mix yeah. it up a bit. I've done well remembering the past. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've done extremely well. <laughs> we appreciate it. it. It's all that training, mate. That's it. Uh, thanks again. Cheers, thanks, mate. Guys. Thanks, thanks for listening. Cheers, guys. See ya. See ya.